it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, 
Explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. I am PVSB, one of those aforementioned CPG Guys. I'm also the Vice President of Retail Strategy and Development at Fetch Rewards Mobile Loyalty Platform. Uh, usually, this is where I introduce my co-host and disabuse him of any belief that the Yankees are going to go even beyond the first round of the playoffs this year, if they actually make it. Uh, but unfortunately, he's he's predisposed today, so I'm not going to be able to do that. So in his place, we have an excellent and a highly qualified co-host. Um, she is the savant of Seattle and the VP of strategy <laughs> at IdeoClick. You'll recognize her from the weekly Fresh 4 curated news segment that appears at the beginning of our episode downloads every week. So please join me in welcoming Andrea Lay. Andrea, how are you today? Welcome. I am great. I'm coming to you from not so sunny Seattle. I think we're starting to get our fall early and uh, excited to be here. Excited to talk to Dupita and Maria and looking forward to the conversation today. That is great. And thank you so much uh, for joining us today. It's great. And it's now with you and Melissa and Shri all on the West Coast and all of our wonderful scheduling issues when we're talking East Coast or West Coast, now that the weight has decidedly shifted, I, have, I am relenting and going forward, all of our conversations will be in the Pacific time zone. <laughs> I love it. So you, you, and, you and Melissa have won. You've brought Shri over to the dark side. We'll deal with you there, but thank you. Um. In any event, um, thanks. And before we get to our guests, I want to remind our audience that all of our content, we've put out some great series in addition to um, individual episodes. We did a great series on e-commerce profitability. We did a women's leadership series last October that helped us raise $8,000 for the Susan G. Komen Foundation. We've got a really interesting, I'm going to a little, little Easter, like little teaser. We have a guest of a previous guest of ours coming back on this year. Uh, in a special episode right at Thanksgiving, and we're going to use that as a as a, a mechanism to raise uh, even more money for Susan G. Komen this year. But we do a lot of interesting things. All that content, the great thing is it's free. It doesn't cost anything. If you go to cpgguys.com, you can find links to our podcast on 40 platforms. You can find profiles of Shri and me. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and everything else. Just go to cpgguys.com. It's free. Uh, and also follow us on LinkedIn. Just go to LinkedIn and, and enter in CPG Guys. Click the follow button. You'll see all our content. That's where we amplify most of what we're talking about. It's a great way to keep track of what we're doing. All right. Today, we are back at it with data and analytics, uh, which is actually my domain. Shri is all about retail media. Shri is about e-commerce. I am about data and analytics. That's my background, having worked at companies like IRI and and Dunhumby and CVS. So uh, I think it is one of the most valuable commodities in CPG. And when converted into actionable insights, it's the game changer for brand equity growth. Uh, we've had others on this show in earlier episodes talk about the role of artificial intelligence or AI. I always want to break down any acronyms that we're using. 
in data and how the future of insights uh, will be shaped by scale and speed. So we decided to do a two-part series with Fractal, whose vision is to power every human decision in the enterprise so that the human mind can be freed to imagine audacious possibilities that can transform human life across the planet. Wow, I love that mission. That is just great. That is ambitious. That's very, that? That's, very ambitious. ambitious. But hey, I would love for my mind to be free. Set the bar high, right, Andrea? <laughs> uh, uh, and their mission is to reshape business through science, advanced data tools, and human-centric design. And un- uncomplicate decision-making. I that That's the great thing about it, right? Too much, too much and you get complicated. How do you do that but still still keep it conf- uh still remove the friction that's what's really important and that's really so that human intelligence can be freed from the drudgery of monotonous work and committed to the pursuit of imagination and creative rewards so we're we're in the second part of our our series and welcoming back from the first episode is the CPG chief practice officer Dipita Chakrabarty and joining her today is one of their clients Maria Maquare VP of Data and Analytics from the Campbell Soup Company, one of the many companies that is in my professional repertoire. I spent three years working on site at Campbell's at uh, at IRI. Uh, so please join Andrea and me in welcoming to the podcast, Pita and Maria. Greetings. How are you two doing today, Maria? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Pita? Doing great as well, and thank you, Maria, for joining us My here and from the land of goldfish and. <laughs> oh yes, uh, I still miss the company store in the lobby of the building in Camden. Boy, I used to when when they still owned a particular chocolate brand, we used to buy in the the bulk uh, seconds, and it was awesome. I, I also miss it. I haven't been there in a year or so. I know. Can you believe it? It's, it's such a different world we live in. Hey, before we get to the questions, Tapita, uh, would you please first tell our audience, one, they love to multitask, so they like to search while they're listening because most of them are listening on audio. Uh, where can they go to learn more about fractal, solu- fractal solutions? And then can you just give us a quick elevator pitch 30,000 of what Fractal focuses on doing. I kind of gave a a background, but maybe there's something more you want to add to that. Sure. Yeah. It's great to be back for the second episode. Um, So old fashioned way would be to go to www.fractal.ai. Also, we are on LinkedIn, Fractal hyphen analytics. And then at Twitter, our handle is at Fractal AI, right? You did ask me what our team does a little bit of, about fractals. So um, other than our great mission statement, our goal really is to create a billion dollars in value for each of our clients or more, right? Uh, in fact, some of our clients have said billion dollars is a small number. You got to go higher. So we strive, right? And essentially what we do is we achieve that value by bringing together artificial intelligence and data sciences, data and AI engineering, and design, human-centric design, to help these enterprises make you know, faster decisions, better decisions, newer decisions, and ultimately create value out of that, right? And I personally lead the consumer goods or the CPG practice at Fractal. So I work with the usual names in the industry Um, including Campbell's, uh, to solve business problems centered around digital transformation. 
my team has domain consultants, it has AI data scientists, AI engineers, design thinkers, subject matter experts, and so forth. That's a little bit of a fractal. That is terrific. And all of those links you mentioned, for those listening, go to the digital liner notes of the podcast. You don't have to write them down. Just click the hyperlinks. They'll all be there, including links to the profiles of both Depita and Maria on LinkedIn. So you can learn more about them. All right, let's get to the questions. I'm going to kick it off and uh, I'm going to start with Maria. Uh, again, welcome. And what I'd love to understand, I have a little bit of an understanding from my time uh, uh, working at uh, the company you're at, but that was obviously a long time ago and so much has changed, particularly in terms of capability. So as a preface to understand how you're using some of these analytic capabilities um, with Fractal, could you give us a description of kind of what your day is like? What is your charge? Uh, in leading data and analytics at, a, at an iconic company like the Campbell Soup Company? Sure. Um, my job was created about three years ago when I came in uh, into Campbell. I lead everything from data ingestion and finding the right data that we need to bring over all the way through reporting, insights, and, and delivery um, of enablement of decision-making. So it's, it's the entire value chain. So a, a typical day, if I have to choose Monday, for example, um, is w when we come and I have to make sure that all the data for what happened last week is there. My CLT, my leadership team uh, is really interested to know how the week closed. So I make sure that everything is has been processed and we have a set of uh, executive dashboards that they, they go in first thing in the morning and check the state of the business or, or the pulse of the business that they like to call it. Um, we also run a lot of projects. We do a lot of project work. We're a project-centric organization. So usually on Mondays, and, and it has been moved to Tuesdays, but usually on Mondays I meet uh, Fractal, actually. Uh, they run they run a lot of the projects that we're working on. So we sit down and try to understand if everything is running, running smoothly, smoothly, if they need help with anything, any risk challenges, and I try to help uh, wherever I can. Also, I run uh, one-on-ones with my team. I'm also a member of the the information technology leadership team, the ITLT. So there's a series of projects that are where we co-depend from each other. If there's a cloud transformation project or an SAP implementation, all those will have uh, repercussions on our data and analytics program. So we usually, again, on Mondays, we do gate reviews to check how your, those projects are going. Um, and then I also have some time for thoughtful work. Uh, it's not all about producing content and cranking uh, work and producing insights. Sometimes I have to reflect on where we are in our analytics journey and, and try to think on what would be the, the right principles to, to act from for a given business problem. I can give you one example. We have now, um, we started with a self-service program we are doing also development of applications. Uh, we have a service where we sit down with, with an executive and give them uh, trusted advisorship. So how we present these different offerings that again, come to bear as we progress on maturity. So what are the set of principles when we go offer these to our business partners? What are the pros? What are the cons? What are the conditions that need to be in place? Um, so, so it's not only about 
as you keep maturing, you need to also create the right uh, criteria on, on how you go to market, which in my case is how I interact with, with my business partner. So to summarize, a lot of project-centric work, uh, some IT or information technology specific, data and analytics, where I usually rely on trusted partnerships. I do one-on-ones with my people and also try to think big picture on how we keep advancing analytics for Campbell. Yeah, that's really great. I love the fact that you you schedule in some reflective time to start thinking about the future and more strategic. Really, really terrific. Andrea? Yeah, we absolutely need to all do that. I think we could take a, a page from your playbook there, Maria, <laughs> schedule some time for reflection. Um, so I, I'm interested in uh, maybe, Depita, you can tell us a little bit about how um, Fractal and Campbell Soup, how you found each other and, and you know, and maybe give us um, a little bit of an overview of kind of what you offered to Campbell as, as part of the value proposition. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as Maria was saying, she arrived at Campbell's to progress their advanced analytics agenda, right? So how do they change the way they make decisions, how quickly, better decisions and so forth. And uh, as you know, in our industry, um, trust is always a key factor. So when our clients trust us, that's when we work best, right? And Maria already knew us from where she came from. PNG, and she knew we had the right domain experience. So that's how we were put together in a way, right? And of course, we have always been consumers of Campbell products before that. And uh, she had our trust and we had her trust. And and so our journey started. You know, that's how we started uh, 2018, late 2018, I would say. And uh, the mandate from the Campbell's leadership team was to get started fast. So as People do. We started with what we call a few experiments or proof of concepts that we chose what we thought were low-hanging fruit um, and across multiple domains to see was there business appetite for a different you know, decision-making process. And I'll give you one example. This resonates with everybody. So when we make decisions in an organization, we often go look at the data. Then we say, oh, we need a little more data. Then we come back again to it, right? What if we thought we have an immersive experience so that when you are collaborating and making the decision, all the data is already visually around you. So there is no waiting for the data. It is there. It's connected. It's cleaned. It's available to us. So now the business of decision-making gets faster. So this is something we have done across many clients. And this was actually our first big endeavor at uh, Campbell's. We would say that wasn't a home run. Uh, so, you know, all journeys of learning points. This was a learning point that perhaps there's not enough appetite in the business at this point. So we sort of went back to the drawing board, started identifying you know, other home runs, maybe better fits for the Campbell culture and so forth. And really, I would say the defining moment came in December 2019 when the Campbell leadership team came to Maria with an urgent business problem to be solved. And Maria, of course, she came over to her offices, World Trade Center, and we spent a few hours together. And really, at the end of the big brainstorming session, we came out with a blueprint of our approach, 
how are you going to solve the solution? What is the roadmap and so forth? And it was around understanding consumption of, of uh, Campbell's products. And that really became our biggest value driver, the first one, right? And with that success, then we went across in you know, a supply chain and e-commerce and the in-market execution metrics and so forth to create more value. And, you know, ultimately, as I think about it, and uh, hopefully Maria agrees in our work together, the way that we approached and solved through business problems really changed the backbone of decision making at Campbell's. We went from, you know, a lot of manually made reports to, like Maria was saying, executive dashboards. We brought in Power BI. We brought in the Azure cloud environment, really used it. Um, we brought in the agile way of working so that every short sprint you get a little bit of value instead of having to wait a very long time, right? We brought speed and standardization together with DevOps. Thank you for that description of the journey of a relationship, because I think when you sign an agreement and you you find a service provider, that it's not a destination, right? The, the hard work begins. And also being very honest about kind of the early stage of of how you were performing. I, I, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm I'm a baseball uh, aficionado and I boil everything down to baseball metaphors. And I'd like to remind people that you can strike out two thirds of the time and still make the hall of fame. It's about when you make the hits, make them really big. Uh, and that scores run. So enough about baseball. I'll move back off that. Mm -hmm. uh, That's where the trust piece really comes in too, is that if you've got that trusting relationship and it sounds like you do, you know, you can kind of continue to work together to get kind of the right solution and value add in place. So, so we heard from, from Deepita's perspective. Let me turn to Maria and say, listen, um, you have great, uh, credentials working at P&G and Campbell Soup. So I'm going to genuflect and say you are officially, uh, a, an analytics expert. So I'd love to get uh, your expert opinion on, um, from your perspective, what attracted you to working with Fractal in the first place? And what do you think are the, is the value that they're delivering to you? Well, it, uh, as Dipita said, it, it had to do with my PNG experience. So while working there, I served uh, at PNG for 18 years in, in, in four or five different markets. They, they, I, they took me everywhere in the world. And Fractal was a constant probably during the last 12, 10 to 12 years uh, during my PNG tenure. And while I was exposed to Fractal, I was also exposed to a variety of vendors. And, and there were things that Fractal excelled at that are really important for any data and analytics program uh, to be successful. Um, so that's one aspect, right? Experience and knowing them from my previous job. Um, the other aspect is that our industry, the data and analytics world, is extremely crowded. If you go out there and Google anything, I don't want—I don't even want to say it because it, it, it makes me—it gives me a little bit of the creeps. But if I Google machine learning AI, uh, which is people plaster those terms in anything now, you can find a gazillion vendors who are promising the world, and 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 there's a lot of smokes and mirrors out there, thousands. So how do you identify the real deal uh, from people who are trying to make it 
in an industry that, by the way, has very high margins. I'm convinced that that's part of the reason why lots of consultants pivot into the data analytics world, because when they have a very complex portfolio of services, I bet that data analytics uh, yields a lot of revenue uh, for these firms. So, so having that trust when, again, it's such a crowded space with a, with a company or a, a strategic partner that you know is going to deliver is crucial. Um, Fractal also uh, has a strong onshore and offshore arm. And, and one of the issues that, again, in, in my industry is that there's a lot of churn of people. Uh, and Fractal specifically is really good at retaining people. So I've worked with the same uh, workforce for the last two years. So at, at some point, they become part of your team. They understand the cultural challenges, the data issues. Like they become very, very much part of, of, of the system, of the of the arrangement to make things work. If you're working with a, with a strategic vendor that is constantly training people, you have to re-educate and re-teach. And that's something that uh, doesn't happen doesn't happen with Fractal. Uh, there's Trey Shooter. Uh, I've, I've been said no. I, I I bring a problem and they say that's not something that 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 we believe we have um, a particular strong practice at. These are where we're really good at. This is where we're not really good at. Uh, which I also value. Which again goes back to uh, to trust, right? Um, and there's no work too small or too big for them, which is something that I really like. We started small. We started uh, throwing spaghetti to the wall and seeing what will stick. Um, and and at some point. Uh, we both have to take the risk of projects just not moving forward, and they were they were comfortable uh, with going down that journey uh, with me. Uh, that doesn't make them perfect. Uh, Campbell is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So so obviously throughout this journey we encounter issues that we had to fix or projects that were not going as good or communication that could have been better. So just want you know I don't want to paint a perfect picture because it's not. Uh, but again, when you have that level of uh, trust, you can move at a really, really good speed uh, with a partner. So that's 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 why we are uh, having such a expanded relationship that went from spaghetti to the wall uh, to programs across our main functional uh, teams. We have a supply chain program, a commercial program, etc. You know, the, m most people don't know the reason the spaghetti sticks to the wall is actually <laughs> the thick Prego sauce. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I had to throw that in there. Try a can of spaghettios. <laughs> yes, those two. <laughs> we got to change our figures of speech. Be brand, <laughs> brand appropriate. <laughs> um, okay, so... Dipita, when you're working with clients, and, and we experience this as well, we're often seeing brand manufacturers and CPGs think about data in terms of reporting. Um, and how are you, how do you work with them to, to change that kind of way of thinking from reporting to kind of more decision-ready analytics? I know that's a big challenge for our clients. I'd love to hear how, how Fractal approaches that. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting question. Interesting because I think different clients are at different places in their journey, right? So as Maria was saying, everybody is going from you know the journey starts with spaghetti on the wall with whatever kind of sauce, 
all the way to having the business run the programs every day using analytics, right? And um, reporting is re really the very beginning of that to sort of say, okay, can we measure? What should we measure? And can we see what we're measuring, right? And um, to, if someone is at that mindset, usually what we do is say, let's start with the decision. And at Fractal, we call this a decision backwards approach, right? So instead of doing a data first, reporting first, measurement first approach, we do a decision backwards approach. It's not to ignore data. Data is the foundation for most of the things we do, right? A journey starts though, not at the data, but with the decisions to be made. So as an example, you know, a client may come to me and say, you know, we just need to get better at tracing or we need to get better with forecasting our demand or understanding our demand, right? Which are sort of broad problem statements, if you think about it. Then we need to start understanding more about it. How is the decision made today? Is there a, a, a future that we can imagine, right? What's the desired future state? And we do this through what is called design thinking work sessions and workshops with actual users who are going to be using the data and making the decision, right? It sometimes is within one function, sometimes across functions. And, you know, this can take a few weeks sometimes, right? And not only do we notice what decision is to be made, but what data should be taken into account? Are people looking at any kind of analytics today, any kind of reports today to make that decision, right? Oftentimes the decision isn't new, but it just needs to be better, faster, different, right? It's so that your chance of winning in the marketplace goes higher, right? And we also ask the user, how do you consume information? So is reports the way you consume information? Is there a different way, Power BI dashboards or cognitive dashboards? What works, right? Obviously, we come in with certain ways that we can show people our prototype, but we take the feedback from the user, right? So that helps us sort of define the problem. So going from reports to actually decisions that are being made, and what is the boundary of the decision to be made, right? And the destination, therefore, right? So once we do that, then we work backwards and we say, okay, if we want to take this decision, make it better or faster or different, what data do we need in addition to what we have? What kind of data science can be used here? Um, what kind of user interfaces do we need to create so that users can actually, instead of implementing change, change becomes part of it, right? What kind of data pipelines do I need to build in so that, you know, Things are automated. No one needs to do anything manually. And we break it up into small parts. We call them sprints. So a sprint could be eight weeks long or 10 weeks long. But at the end of each sprint, we make sure the client gets something and it's something of value, right? So we break out the entire program into parts that are in themselves some value containing, if you will, right? And then if a brand is going to go through this process, I think the most important metrics for them is if we are going to transform this particular decision, what is going to be the incremental value you're going to deliver for me? And how are you going to include the users as part of the process? 
because those two ultimately determine success. And what are some of the KPIs that you think brands should be tracking right now? What are some of the most important metrics? I think if there were a metric that um, embodied a consumer's engagement with a brand, and there are various ways of deriving it, how vested is a consumer into a brand? That would be an important metric to understand in this day and age in CPG where, you know, bigger brands are becoming less relevant sometimes, smaller brands, upstairs, DTC brands getting more relevant because they're giving the consumer a purpose. So I think that's a very important metric to track. And also then decompose that to say, what creates that engagement? Is it my brand purpose that's creating that engagement? Is it my narrative around sustainability? Is it the fact that I'm reducing plastic from my packaging? What is it? So sort of one, if the consumer is engaged and listening, nothing can be better than that. You know, that's the second time today, Deepita, that I've heard someone express the need for a consumer engagement uh, metric uh, in the other context that was related to um, marketing mix is not being uh, as overall encompassing as it may have may have been in a, in more of an analog world. But in any event, um, Maria, I'm sorry I have to ask you this question, mostly because uh, I was hoping by this point in the year, as we sit here in late summer, that we would be in a much better position in the office and COVID would be largely behind us, but it isn't. And I know over the last year, Shri and I have talked to so many business leaders about the judicious decisions that they've had to make uh, across the spectrum of activity, supply chain, market, everything uh, on 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 addressing uh, the COVID challenge to our businesses. So I'd love to hear from you, how did COVID accelerate transformation in your company? And particularly, um, how was Fractal able to help you make those decisions uh, faster and with, uh, with, with uh, what would be considered more informed decisions? Sure. Our agenda, when COVID hit back in uh, that March, uh, when we were told, go go back home, we're going to pilot how this is going to go for two or three days, and on Monday we'll talk, and then that Monday actually never came. Um, our analytics agenda completely changed. I think um, digital transformation was completely accelerated because of COVID, uh, not only for data and analytics, but, I mean, magic workplace services and enable, enabling employees to work from home from the entire workforce to work from home from from one day to another so it has been a challenge for it it's been it's been fascinated as as unfortunate as the whole pandemic has been it has been an opportunity so for professional growth because because we faced challenges that were unprecedented um fractal has worked with us in in many different aspects of our business, we, we've worked on projects around transportation and logistics, which is clearly a challenge due to many, many aspects driven by COVID, um, allocation of products, uh, how we keep our employees safe and monitor how COVID is doing across different states. Uh, we are estimating market sizes 
now that that the the new normal is here so what is what is going to be the the overall consumption of our products so forecasting etc but i can take you through two examples that i think really portrayed uh, how we work together in this in these unprecedented times the first one is very short and simple uh, and the motivation was to keep our, our employees safe. So we had to put together a, a monitoring dashboard to understand when our re-entry criteria to go back into the office was going to be uh, met. What, what is interesting about this example is, and I don't know if, if the audience will have an appreciation for this, for the data analytics problems, I believe that 80% of the problem is the data, not the analytics. When you have uh, perfect data, you can run the analytics pretty quickly. In, in, the ca in the case of tracking COVID, we happen to have an excellent feed uh, that, that was facilitated by one of our uh, cloud technologies. And my boss was sitting in a COVID reentry task force and he came back and said, Maria, uh, is there anything that you guys can do quickly? Because we need, we, we, we don't have a lot of time. Like in two weeks, can you bring over a dashboard where we can monitor this thing? And I had perfect data. And I picked up the phone, I called my fractal person, and they put together a mock-up in 24 hours. And, and my boss, the CIO, he looked like a superhero, right? Because nobody could fathom how you can produce something so quickly, right? Yes. So that was a, a, an amazing, it's a small thing, but it was an amazing equity building exercise for us. And it was it was uh, driven by Fractal's uh, agility to, to put something together so quickly. That's one example. Uh, the, the second example, which is more, more business oriented, um, you guys were talking about smaller brands, native, uh, like digitally native brands that were born in startups, et cetera, how they're taking, taking the consumer preference and the markets. Well, during COVID, that, that dynamic changed. People preferred to stay with brands that were recognizable and, and brands that they could trust. Um, imagine shelf stable soup. Uh, you can buy a case. You can, if Armageddon happens at the point when people were panic buying, and they, they didn't know what was going to happen. We saw unprecedented levels of consumption. Again, we were presented with a challenge that we haven't seen before. So we virtually couldn't produce, we couldn't manufacture as much product as the market was demanding, which is an amazing analytical problem. So how you create an optimization algorithm where you can make sure that you are allocating your product uh, fairly. So there's Campbell presence in every household that needs it in the US during this time. Uh, even the 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 business problem is a human problem. It's something that I have a lot of pride uh, behind. I just, I, my thing was making sure that the supermarket across the street doesn't have an overallocation of Campbell, that it has the right allocation so everybody uh, across the state and across the nation will have access to the product if they needed it. Uh, again, that was an exercise that we put together our best minds in data science and the best minds uh, at Fractal and, and solve that problem. Again, another huge equity building exercise for my team. In fact, that was recognized uh, by the, that division's uh, president and, and, and leadership team as one of the, of the home runs that kept our business uh, selling. So th th those are two quick uh, examples. 
congratulations on both of those. That's a, it's a, it's definitely been a roller coaster. I think this last year for CP last 18 months for CPGs in terms of managing supply and demand. Uh, certainly our clients are challenged with that as a lot as well. Um, so Dupita, I'm curious, um, how fast does a client start kind of getting value in working with Fractal? Can you walk me through sort of from, you know, signing to value delivery, what that journey looks like? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with, you know, someone like Maria, as Maria was talking about the programs that she's impacting at Campbell's, it's partly her vision as well to bring it all together, right? And that's probably elemental to how much value is going to get created in a partnership, whether the people we are working with are really looking at all dimensions of a problem, um, bringing human centricity to it and all of that, right? And uh, when we start a journey, day one, you know, we, we start with the understanding of the business, the decisions, like I was talking about, what decisions need to be impacted, where are they today? some sort of understanding of the analytics maturity of the organization. Um, it, what is the task at hand? All of that, right? So after signing, it, it goes through that journey. We do design immersions. Uh, we look at the extent of analytics used across various functions of the company as well. So it may be that we are looking at marketing to be very sophisticated and it's analytics while supply chain may not be. Or supply chain may be quite sophisticated, but there isn't a common currency to talk to customers, right? So all of those we assess. So that's the first thing. After day one, that process could take us, you know, a few weeks to maybe eight or 10 weeks sometimes, right? Depending on the appetite of the business the speed at which we need to get started and all of that, right? And let's say out of that, based on an estimation of the problem statements, the value each can deliver for the business, some understanding of the data at hand. So is it going to be very difficult to get all of the data or can we get started? Those are some of the considerations we'll be looking at. And then we sort of say, okay, we're going to start with, these three programs and we approximate roadmap, you know, uh, where, what decisions within each program we are going to do first, second, third, and we put together what's called a sprint plan, right? So our goal is to start delivering value from the first sprint. So essentially we will design each sprint so that at the end of it, we would have solved something of value, right? So I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say that a company comes to us and says, uh, we want to change our business planning process, the way we have been working with Campbell, for example. So we once we understand what's out there and the task to be done, we say, wait, well, we are first going to impact this part of the demand planning process because there is a lack of accuracy here. And by solving that, we would have impacted down the chain about 1% of, um, you know, improvement in productivity of the supply chain, right? So that's a big value, 1%, 2%, these are huge numbers, right? And uh, so we delivered that sprint. Then next we say, well, there is one part here that's a big block. It could be that we have to digitize our trade planning process in order to get to the next step. 
and we will do it this way. We will take the trade planning process, we'll digitize it, but in the in the process of digitizing, we'll also put in an optimization in it so that there is some value immediately to be realized from it and so forth. So that's an example. And that way a total program, a transformation program might take a year or 18 months, but we keep delivering value along the way so there is no long wait and impatience in the organization. It's a very human-centric way. That's how humans are, right? We don't have that kind of patience. And we break it down into eight weeks or so. Now, as value accumulates, right, we also see very interestingly, people get more new problem statements. They might say, hey, you solved this for brick and mortar. Can you solve the same for e-commerce? So we build another module into the program. We also, as we get into year two and three, we ourselves keep looking at the program and say, can this be done faster? Can this be done better with another algorithm? Are there new sources of data that come in that can uh, improve the decision making, right? So we keep evolving the product and the program along the way so that value keeps accumulating. That's terrific. Uh, and I love the fact that you mentioned, you know, it's human nature to be impatient. Um, <laughs> I, I, I personally stand in front of microwaves and scream hurry. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, so I'm sorry for all the dad jokes. I've got a two and a half year old and I'm just trying to work up my, you're, you're my, you're my, pre, you know, I, I'm going to take my routine home and, and try it out on her. But in any event, uh, Maria, Let's talk a little bit about this concept of data to decision or insight to activation. I'd like to see uh, from your perspective how you you consider um, analytics supporting that journey in this omni-channel world. And you know, what if anything uh, is is always sitting behind you, keeping you awake, and making you worry about anything. Thank you. It's it's a very hairy, scary problem, in my opinion. Um, it is a world that was very simple. We had brick and mortar represented all of it. Media partners were on the side. Uh, the value chain of distribution was was very simple. And now the whole thing is intertwined, right? So you have uh, pure play uh, like Amazon, brick and mortar, also doing, of course, uh, e-commerce. Last milers that are uh, shipping product from, I mean, it's just, and then your customers are also media uh, partners. And and there's a lot, again, I said that, that this is an industry that is really, really crowded in terms of suppliers. There's lots of niche suppliers that are trying to capture data using receipts or panels from consumers. or So there's all kinds of offerings trying to drive visibility and transparency on what's happening in that entire ecosystem. And I don't think anybody has cracked it. So, so one of the things that keeps me awake at night is how we drive visibility and transparency on how our product and, and frankly, how we understand competition in that context that is, that is so complex. And and there's two avenues. There's the easy one, which is buying more data. I don't think that's the answer. Um, and again, I think I think a lot of companies are making money behind that fear of 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 not understanding what's going on. I think the hardest, but the most sustainable path is actually driving value for for that chain. 
uh, the more value you generate, the more compelled our customers or or the the people who do click and collect the, all the different partners there. The more you drive value to them, the more they will they will be willing to share their data back with us. I think. In this upcoming year, when we are all facing inflation, uh, labor shortages, uh, selling the data is going to be the norm. Um, I, I anticipate that we're going to see lots of our customers, our large customers, uh, looking at that as a potential profit source. And that's unfortunate because, because that speaks volumes of the fact that if they were giving that data to us for free, we're not going to do a good job generating value. And by us, I mean the entire industry if the value were there we would be, there would be much more transparency on 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 data sharing i i always use the analogy of of um instagram i'm very happy that they can see what i browse and what i'm interested on in because when i get in the morning and i get my instagram feed everything is relevant oh i love this i didn't i i mean they're really giving me and i know they're selling my information i'm i'm, I'm very well aware of what's going on in the system but they're, they're tailoring that experience in a way that makes me happy so for the data that is visible how can we use it to create value for the consumer for click and collect for the customers and ultimately for us as manufacturers that's that's the one thing that i find um very difficult to crack, but the one way that we can uh, drive sustainable value. Otherwise, this is going to be the wild, wild west of, of buying and selling data with actually no purpose, just just driving visibility. Now, if we get that level of transparency, we can do wonders, right? We can we can tailor our offering. We can figure out, which we are doing, of course, but not, not to the extent that we could uh, tailor our offering for e-commerce. You will imagine that uh, the packaging that you use for for to buy and store is very different than the packaging that you will use for shipping product, uh, etc. There's all uh, you can do uh, propensity modeling. You can do a collaborative filtering. All kinds of jargon that I can use to 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 personalize an offer and and drive that level of uh, of shopper centric offering. Uh, but the, the first point is having having visibility, which which is is the biggest problem that keeps me away, frankly. I love what you called omnichannel. What did you say it was? A big hairy? <laughs> what did you call it, Maria? The egg. A big, big hairy monster, I think. A big hairy monster. Yeah, <laughs> it is really challenging from an analytics perspective. And and certainly even I mean, even just looking at something, a subset of it, such as advertising, understanding what's what's affecting what I think is probably one of the biggest questions we get from our clients. Um, OK, so changing gears a little bit, Dikita, tell us a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about your management team, like who leads the company and in, you know, who are some of your leaders and and um, and what are their roles? Kind of how are you how are you run? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Fractal is a 20-year-old company. In fact, 21 this year. So we are an adult, if you will. Uh, Congratulations. Really started in a, they, can, they can drink. <laughs> Yay! A company that was sort of a little bit, um, you know, ahead of its time. So, I mean, we started with the vision that analytics and AI data science, these will be game changers and how companies will operate in the future, right? 21 years back. 
and it's it's such fun to see that vision come to life, you know, uh, with uh, now a lot of urgency and agility, of course, um, everything is digitized, right? And our co-founders, Srikanth and Pranay, um, they saw this vision 21 years ago. And we're, we're still very lucky that we, both our co-founders are still deeply embedded in our business. So our group CEO, group chairman and CEO, Srikanth Velamakani, he leads all of Fractal products and services, um, a great visionary on AI, AI and ethics, and, you know, serves on various um, organizations as well, sort of um, evangelizing the use of data and analytics. And Fractal Services, so I said Fractal is products and services, which is the largest part of Fractal is Fractal Services. That's read, led by Pernay, the other co-founder. And he is pretty much the architect of our service business from very early times. And again, as I said, very lucky that they are both co-founders. And our management team has had longevity as well. And, you know, really what the founders and the management team have built the company around, I would say, is trust, mutual trust, trust with the client, uh, people's centricity, intellectual curiosity, promoting that, really having a growth mindset. And what always amazes me is the can-do attitude. People in Fractal have an amazing can-do attitude. I love that. Right? And this is, yeah, and this is how we preserve the entrepreneurial culture. We encourage people to learn and grow, essentially, right? So it's a testament to our leadership, for sure. And the way we are organized, I think this is um, very interesting to me. So we are organized in industry verticals and what we call capability horizontals. So, for example, consumer goods or CPG, that's an industry vertical that I lead, while horizontals such as artificial intelligence and algorithms um, engineering, AI engineering, data engineering, these are all horizontal capabilities. So each of the horizontal capabilities have leaders and each of the industry verticals have leaders. And in addition to that, our operations is led by uh, Ajoy Singh. He's a CEO. He also has been with us a long time and really seen that hockey growth that we have experienced over the last few years. The entire management team, you know, the audience can look up again on fractal.ai. And, uh, you know, we welcome the audience to visit that. And uh, I also, you know, since this is the last question, I think want to thank uh, Maria for joining me on this podcast and to both of you as well. I want to remind our audience that all of our content is available on cpgguys.com. And please follow us on LinkedIn. Just enter CPG Guys and click follow. Andrea? Uh, I want to thank Dupita and Maria, both of you, for joining us today. I know data is um, a super top-of-mind topic for a lot of CPGs. All the ones that we work with um, you know, are working on various work streams to help them measure and understand and action their business. And so it was great to hear from an industry leader in both the CPG space an iconic and amazing brand um, and interesting to hear your perspective, Maria. And then also really great to hear from you too, Dupita, as you're assisting brands through this journey and this transformation that, that we're all going through. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we really appreciated the discussion. Well, thank you both. Yeah, thank much. you so much for having me. 
And Andrea, to you, thank you for filling in. Really appreciate it. You've set the bar. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, when Shree hears this, I think he's going to get a little nervous. <laughs> Look out, Shree. Give him a little hip check and push him out of the seat a little more often. <laughs> but thank you anyhow. Um, and to our audience, thank you. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.